Welcome to Oncopharma. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy practice here and the supporting sponsor of Oncopharm, the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. Two weeks ago, um, would have been, uh, I guess, the early June, second week of June, uh, we went over um, kind of the most interesting things to me from, from ASCO's annual meeting. Um, and the, the first thing I talked about then was the Outback study, which was a negative study and talked about how it was a good study, even though it was a negative study. So today I have two more negative studies to talk about, including one presented at ASCO, uh, because I think, at least for me uh, sometimes, uh, I see a negative study and I think, okay, there's nothing I need to know from that, and I don't do a deep dive on that. Uh, and I recently did that on two studies, one in breast cancer one in myeloma, that I think are, are worth going over. So the first is um, EA... 1131. This was presented at ASCO, published in uh, in JCO um, in conjunction with ASCO. This is a randomized phase three study of, of adjuvant uh, platinum-based chemo or capecitabine in patients with triple negative breast cancer following neoadjuvant chemo. Um, this was funded by the NCI, and you'll see right away this was a, a government and cooperative group funded study because uh, they'd actually already enrolled five patients when the results of CREAT-X were published, um, and they changed um, their their control arm based on the results of that study, and they actually ex- threw out five, excluded, not threw out, <laughs> excluded five patients from their analysis because they amended the protocol based on new evidence, which is what you should do. Um, so this was about 200 patients in either arm with triple negative breast cancer, um, now, most of the patients in, uh, with triple negative breast cancer had basal subtype uh, breast cancer. You know, there's luminal A, luminal B, HER2 enriched, basal subtype. And uh, the authors describe here that uh, people use the terms basal and triple negative breast cancer interchangeably, but they're not, uh, they're not exactly the same thing, which, which I didn't know. Um, and in fact, if you look at CREATE-X, which was uh, all breast cancer patients, um, but the, the benefit of, of adjuvant capecitabine was seen in the triple negative breast cancer population. They don't mention at all in the manuscript or the supplement appendix how many had basal subtypes. So they actually used the gene expression to determine who had basal uh, subtype, which was 78% of the total population here in EA 1131. That's their primary endpoint is invasive disease-free survival in the basal subtype, which was like 80% of all patients. So these were triple negative breast cancer patients who had neoadjuvant chemo. They all got a taxane, 85% got an anthracycline in their neoadjuvant chemo, and and still had residual disease. And based on CREAT-X, we would say that they should get adjuvant capecitabine. Now, there are some differences in the methods of CREAT-X and EA-1131, which is kind of the natural uh, successor to CREAT-X that are worth uh, describing. Uh, One, CREAT-X was... Um, entirely uh, Japanese and South Korean patient population. Uh, this is an American patient population. It's funded by American taxpayers, by the National Cancer Institute, so that makes sense. Uh, in uh, CREAT-X, the adjuvant dose of capecitabine was the FDA-approved dose, 1,250 milligrams per meter squared per dose, P-O-B-I-D, 14 out of 21 days. For six to eight cycles, uh, in EA-1131, uh, uh, the capecitabine dose was a gram per meter squared because that's what we do because non-Asians, so most Americans, don't tolerate this uh, as well. So that's kind of the American standard um, uh, to do, uh, a gram instead of 1250. So a little bit lower dose than you used in CREAX and only six cycles versus six to eight, okay? Um, so folks were randomized one-to-one to either uh, the American dose of capecitabine 
or platinum, either cis or copper platinum, for four cycles. And the authors uh, state that out of concern that because they had neoadjuvant chemo, maybe radiation, that they couldn't tolerate six cycles of chemo due to neuropathy, due to neuropathy or um, uh, additive myelosuppression, which is a reasonable concern, but they don't have any reference to back that up. Um, so the way this was played at ASCO in, uh, on tw in the Twitterverse and in the media or whatever was that, that platinum did not beat capecitabine uh, in triple negative breast cancer. And that was the idea that platinum has a lot of activity in the neoadjuvant setting in terms of pathologic complete response rate in the, in the triple negative breast cancer setting. So we thought that, uh, you know, hopefully that this might be better than capecitabine. That was the idea. But it was six cycles of capecitabine versus four cycles of cisplatin. Um, and this was a non-inferiority design with the option to do uh, superiority. Now, the platinum did not, get, did not meet the non-inferiority margin, which I think was... 15% or 11.5%, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was reasonable, it was, it was between 10 and 15%, their non-inferiority margin, did not meet that. Um, now, the non-inferiority margin was based off of the assumption that their three-year disease-free survival, the three-year invasive disease-free survival would be 67%, uh, the disease-free survival rate in Cradex was 69%, so close to that, although invasive disease-free versus disease-free survival, I'm not sure how different that is. Uh, the actual three-year disease-free survival rate uh, in this trial was, was quite a bit lower in, in both groups. It was 42% in platinum and 49% for capecitabine. That's in the basal subgroup. If you look at the, the non-basal subgroup, it was like 69% uh, with capecitabine, which was close to what you would have uh, expected. Uh, and that was, uh, that was compared to 46% with platinum. So there, you know... There was no benefit of platinum in either group, but the benefit of capecitabine was much larger in the non-basal triple negative breast cancer, which was not their primary endpoint. Um, so, you know, they, they talk about some reasons why they had such a, a lower three-year invasive disease-free survival in capecitabine. Could have been patient population, harder to treat. Could have been uh, that it's a non-Asian patient population. And, and one thing that they, they didn't talk about, um, you know, the, the CREA-X did not look at basal versus non-basal triple negative breast cancer, which is not something that, that I think we would routinely do in practice. We don't, we don't necessarily treat luminal A versus luminal B versus basal different. We look at ER, PR, HER2 status uh, for the most part, and then maybe increasingly BRCA1, BRCA2. Uh, so, you know, it was a negative study, EA1311, um, Despite you know mostly academic authors, uh, I, I do wonder what would have happened had we done uh, six cycles of platinum. Would have been more toxic, or at least different toxicities. Probably would not have beat uh, capecitabine, um, but certainly calls into question the use of using platinums um, in the adjuvant setting for triple negative breast cancer after folks have received um, uh, taxane and platinum. So that was EA uh, eleven thirty one. Uh, nice to see always cooperative group studies, but. Uh, but no study is perfect, certainly very reasonable, um, and at some point in the future on the pod, we will certainly talk about the capecitabine dosing and where that came from and some of the theories behind that. We need to do a Foundations of Oncopharm Onco episode uh, on capecitabine because it is a sneaky good drug uh, for oncology. Used quite a bit, pretty well tolerated, certainly worth uh, talking a lot more about. Uh, and then lastly, I'll just say... Um, 
the uh, the population of EA 1131 was reasonable uh, in terms of, of matching the American population. 70% white, 20% black, 10% Hispanic, um, but they, they don't mention uh, the Asian population in America, which certainly are there are Asian Americans. Okay, so that's EA 1131 breast cancer, uh, triple negative breast cancer, much more aggressive disease than say myeloma, which is often an indolent disease. So I'm going to talk now about tourmaline MM1, which was a phase three study of ixazomib, it's an oral PI, Nidlaro is the brand name, uh, plus LIN, linalidomide index, versus linalidomide index in relapsed refractory myeloma. Most of these folks were relapsed. Now this was initially published in 2016 in the New England Journal of Medicine and was the pivotal trial that got uh, ixazomib FDA approved. This is the final overall survival analysis with a median follow-up of seven years, so long-term long -term survival analysis. Now, initially, in 2016, when this, uh, when this was published, uh, they did show a progression-free survival benefit for uh, ixazomib over, um, over placebo uh, RD. Uh, hazard ratio was 0.74. Uh, the median PFS was 20.6 months versus 14.7 months. So it looked to be reasonable, reasonably beneficial at delaying progression. So this is the overall survival benefit. And I'll just give you the top line results here. The median OS uh, in the exazomib arm was 53.6 months versus 51.6 months uh, in those who did not get exazomib up front, uh, which was not significant. The p-value is 0.5, basically. Um, so, you know, more than half of these patients on the study are alive seven years later, which is really outstanding with multi-myeloma, and we've come a long way. Uh, and, and the authors talk about the overall survival results are, are confounded or are confused because so many folks went on to receive ixazomib and other proteasome inhibitors. Uh, like 30% of patients in this study did not even receive bortezomib prior to this. Um, like half had not received an imid. Um, so certainly very different than the patient population we see here. And then more patients in the placebo arm went on to receive daratumumab. Uh, and you might say, well, that we don't know if exazomib is good. It wasn't a fair study, but it was a very real-world study in that way, except for that most patients, not all 100% of, of everyone had received uh, like bortezomib and lilinamide uh, was the international design of the study. Uh, but, you know, if the drug is going to have a big improvement in PFS and not overall survival, then that tells me uh, you don't need to use the drug up front and can reserve it for, for later in therapy if you need to. Um, so, uh, you know, exazomib has some, it certainly has disease activity uh, and, uh, you know, maybe does prolong survival when it's used later, but a lot of folks also receive daratumumab as well um, and carfilzomib. More folks receive carfilzomib in the placebo arm than the uh, exazomib arm. Um, and, and those numbers, uh, you know, made up for it. And the patients benefited whether they received, uh, you know, the PI later or, or at this line of therapy. Um, and this is a slightly different trial, and it was funded by industry than uh, the cooperative group study. Um, but uh, and this was, uh, you know, a different setting than than curative uh, triple negative breast cancer. But but a negative study that I think uh, is insightful in today's uh, environment when we see so many trials published uh, by by press release or abstract or even publications with interim findings showing a PFS benefit that. Uh, that does not guarantee that you're going to see that overall survival benefit, and likely it doesn't. And this is uh, just the latest, latest example uh, of uh, exazomib not confirming an overall survival benefit when used, uh, when used up front in relaxed refractory 
myeloma. Um, again, slightly different patient population than here in, in the States, in the United States. Well, that's what I have this week uh, for you. Uh, next week will be uh, a new uh, episode. I guess that'll be July 1st. Wow. May have some news then. Um, thank you for listening. I appreciate uh, all the uh, all of you listening and downloading and all that good stuff. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FarmDeetNip, and you can follow the podcast on both Twitter and Instagram at OncoFarmPod. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Doses matter.